0: Welcome back everybody to go help yourself a comedy self-help podcast to make light suck less I am Lisa linky I am Misty Stinnett. Remotely is my co-host Misty <laughs> Stinnett. <laughs> we <laughs> are exercising social distancing and um, appropriate... Uh, caution during this coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, and it's we week are, three. It's week three. We are um, thanks to the brilliance of Matt Sav. We have some um, online capabilities, and we're
1: using them. Yes, thank you, Squadcast. Thank you for your interface. Cast. It sounds like Squadcast. I don't know if that read on the mic. It kind of like oh. out. hold on, oh, please. <clears throat> mm. There it is. Thank
0: you, everyone. Um, I hope everybody's hanging in and doing their very level best to keep away from one another. Misty and I can't keep away from each other, so we are going to basically FaceTime and present this to you guys.
1: And you know what? We can't keep away from self-help books. Nope, it can't. doesn't matter how much Lisa hates them, how much I love them. Um, <laughs> this is the podcast where we read and review a popular self-help book each week. Yeah. And we try to share with you the main points, yeah. the main takeaway, so yeah. that you can decide, I love that. That book's going to help me or I should stay away. That book's going to fuck me up. And if you uh, are looking for our usual episodes,
0: um, scroll way back in our feed or way forward in our feed, depending on and by you're usual.
1: I think Lisa means our high quality sounding <laughs> recording. We normally record in a beautiful studio a in Fairfax village, yes. but right now I'm in my kitchen. The pillow fort is back up. I'm trying to help with sound quality. I'm in a pillow fort in my kitchen. I'm, I'm wearing a sweater a that says, fort. don't
0: be culty called my couch. I'm in my pajamas and I feel great about it.
1: But the real pillow fort is the memories we made along the oh, way. Oh,
0: no, no, no. I love okay. it. Okay, so um, <laughs> This is a quick heads up. We cuss. We have a great yeah. time. As Missy mentioned, she loves self-help and is great at finding useful nuggets. I hate it. I immediately am suspicious of anybody telling me what to do. Um, and we can't cover everything in this uh, under an hour, so we're just here to give you the main points, and you can decide if you want to support the author or recommend to everybody that they stay the hell
1: away from this book. And I think we've had like, five to eight books where we're like, nope, hard no. I'm going to say 10 to 15. <laughs> but no, but, but no. Well, some of the ones I like, Lisa's like, mm.
0: okay, okay,
1: so we're going to dive right in. I actually What's can't believe... I can't believe it took me this long to cover this book because I actually read it like back before we had a self-help podcast when I was just consuming copious amounts of self-help by myself and having no one to talk about it with because everyone was like, stop talking about self-help. And I was like, all right, you didn't cover it because
0: it had been a while for you to remember how to get this thing done in the book to make space and time.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll go with that. So this week's book, I can't believe we haven't covered this author yet. This week's book is the mega bestseller, The 4-Hour Workweek, Escape the 9 to 5, Live Anywhere, and Join the New Rich by Timothy Ferris. (laughs) It was first published on December 15th, 2009, Mm -hmm. and has since been translated into more than 35 languages, which would be at least 36, and is a number one New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Business Week bestseller.
0: So So, if I'm uh, doing my math correctly, 10 years old at four hours a work week means (laughs) 200 hours per year, which means 2000, 2,000 hours. Good for him. That's right.
1: That's exactly right. So the hardcover is still fourteen twenty nine. Okay. The paperback is fourteen sixty three. Okay. The Kindle is eleven ninety nine. The audio book is nine ninety five or one credit. And on the OverDrive app, it's free. Okay. Uh, and that's that's how I listened to it the, the first time. But there's there is a very long. Um, hold on, I'm looking something up. There is a very long wait, wait list on Overdrive. for OverDrive.
0: Yeah, because if you're only working four hours a week, how much time do you have for reading? Only It's one hour read week.
1: Oh, yeah. So here's here's the thing. This is a very important update, especially for our longtime loyal listeners. I finally figured out how to buy audiobooks on Audible without using a credit. (laughs) They don't make it easy, and you have to go to Amazon.com to do it, Mm -hmm. but it is... Is possible. So if you do see an audiobook listed for less than the price of a credit, and you'd like
0: to save your credit for, and you'd like to save your credit for a book, like
1: that's, for a book that's like twenty, like that's why credits are useful. If there's an audiobook that's like twenty or thirty dollars, you use your credit that costs fifteen. But if the book is eleven dollars, like why are you using a credit? So we all know this is a, a this is not the right saying, but this is a shrimp in my craw, a bee in my bonnet.
0: <laughs> what? Why are you a shrimp, a shrimp in my craw? You don't know. Nobody knows. No one stick, knows it. It's a stick in your craw.
1: Yeah. And by the way, it is um, hold on, let me see. It's four hundred and sixteen pages. Okay. And how audio, many hours was that? 13 hours and uh Ooh. one minute. Thirteen There's hours like and one seven, minute.
0: seven habits for you.
1: Uh-huh. Um, I'm Lisa, I want to show you a picture of the cover. I think I've I've seen this,
0: obviously. It's can decorated. you can you
1: see this? Am I showing this to you?
0: Well this well, you've got an expanded and updated version. For our work week, it's a guy sitting or a woman sitting in a hammock between two palm trees uh in front of a sunset. Yeah. And work week looks like it's kind of written like a Ooh, four hour work week, like it's rolling in on a
1: wave. And so here's, here's the thing here, here go the thing, as Lisa would say for a book that has spent seven years on the New York times bestseller list. The cover (laughs) is real dumb. It looks like it was made with clip art and it immediately makes me not want to take the book seriously. And by the way, I originally, uh, the book, I think the cover I shared, you said expanded and updated, but I think I just read the original book. Okay. Just a picture of the cover I just showed you is the, the normal one. Okay. Um, it's also narrated by Ray Porter, who reads a lot of audiobooks, and he is perfect for this book because his voice is deep and rich and slightly condescending. Ooh. So it's like exactly what Tim Why Ferris is more than four hours a week. He's like, <laughs> I'm Ray Porter. Um okay, so about Tim Ferris. Tell me. And this is this is from uh, on the it's funny on the the book cover it says Timothy Ferris but then everybody calls him Tim Ferris sure so anyway his website is tim.blog I there hate you him. go i hate it Tim Ferriss has been listed as one of Fast Company's most innovative business people and one of Fortune's 40 Under 40. He is an early-stage technology investor slash advisor of Uber, Facebook, Shopify, Duolingo, Alibaba, and 50-plus others, and the author of five number one New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestsellers, including The 4-Hour Workweek and Tools of Titans, The Tactics, Routines, and Habits of Billionaires, Icons, and World-Class Performers. Mm -hmm. The Observer and other media have called him Uh, have called Tim the Oprah of audio due to the influence of the Tim Ferriss Show podcast, which is the first business interview podcast to exceed 100 million downloads. It has now exceeded 400 million downloads, to which I say, brag alert. Humble brag. Humble brag. Okay, so this book is divided into four steps and then an additional section called Last But Not Least, or four sections. So step one, D is for definition. Step two, E is for elimination. Step three, A is for automation. And step four, L is for liberation. I and what does that spell, L. people? It DL. spells deal. Deal um, Yeah. So under each of those sections, um, there are uh, oh, and you know what it starts with? An FAQ is Doubters Read This, My Story and Why You Need This Book, and uh, Chronology of a uh, Pathology. So right. un- under each of the sections, there's there's titles like Cautions and Comparisons, How to Burn a Million Dollars a Night, System Reset, Being Unreasonable and Unambiguous. So there's there's a lot of chapters. They'll be listed in show notes. Okay. And then last but not least... He in in this section he includes um, the best of the blog. So he he has a blog. It's very popular. So one of the articles he includes is the art of letting bad things happen. Um, the not to do list: nine habits to stop now. The holy grail: how to outsource the inbox and never check email again. So there's a lot of additional resources listed in this book. I have a question. Yep. As you're
0: telling me about the author. Mm-hmm. um, what other than his books and his being cited as like an industry person is mm-hmm. his credibility?
1: That's a great question. So he is a self-made guy who did this and supposedly lives this lifestyle. And he's also um, like an angel investor. So he's a really successful guy who says that a successful entrepreneur who says that these this is what worked for him. So it's life experience in this case, but it's not like it's not like he has his PhD in finance, you know, from Dartmouth or something. Of you, thank you. Yeah, thank you, because I like to say finance. Um, but it really, yeah, did, okay. and he's it's, he's young. Like if you see pictures of Tim, well, he's this a young was a guy. decade ago.
0: He's a decade older now.
1: That's true. You know what? I want to know how old he is. Hold on, we're gonna find out.
0: Tim, how old are you? Also, Tim, I mean, like, fine, you're a self made man, but like, also, what we learned from Rich Dad Poor Dad was that what worked for one person is yeah. not necessarily available and possible yeah. for another.
1: So, get this Tim is currently 42. So, he was 32 when he wrote this book, which is better than Ramit Sethi, who wrote, I Will Teach You to Be Rich in College, when he had no credentials at all. Okay. 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 So, in the introduction, Tim Ferriss calls the new generation of people who earn money while enjoying the freedom of no fixed place in time the new rich, and he abbreviates this throughout the book as NR. Um, these are uh, these are the overarching steps to become a new rich for the four hour work week, and I'll define for you what that means. Uh, definition: What do you want in the four hour work week? It's a good life of. experience. Uh, It's a good life of experience free of grueling work and rigid structures. Elimination. Cut all distractions, material clutter, useless tasks. Focus on the 20% that produces 80% of the results. Automation. Outsource. Hire virtual assistants. Build processes that run without you. And then liberation. Now you're free. So let's...
0: I have to say this sounds like almost any financial book we've heard about.
1: It does, but actually, he has a fundamentally differing life philosophy that I actually love.
0: And is his is his pitch that you will only work four hours a week? Yeah. So, quick question: Yeah, who is digging the ditches and who is cleaning up our uh, garbage?
1: Yep, that's a great and question. Who is cleaning is, is our ERs? Listen, if you couldn't tell already, this. This is absolutely a book of privilege because a lot of the things involved take startup money. So we'll we'll get there. But okay. like he talks about, like finding a product you can sell and automating it, and, and this is for anybody who doesn't want to like report to a job every day. So basically, he defines the new rich as opposed to. Uh, I think traditionally we thought of people that are rich or wealthy as people who have a certain dollar amount in the bank or people who are are creating or receiving a lot of income. So his definition of the new rich is more like um, people who can do, they have time at their hands. Time is their most precious resource. So you are in charge of your time and your income is automatically generated in a way that you do not have to like report to a boss or a supervisor or go into work every day. So this is what he means by the new rich. Okay. Um, So he says, do you need to work like a slave to live like a millionaire? Tim Tim Ferriss says that the common sense rules of the world are nothing but fragile collections of socially reinforced illusions. Meaning... Um no being a millionaire and living like a millionaire are two different things you don't need to slave away at a desk on a grueling soul crushing 9 to 5 um but he says he talks a lot about so he he brings up these sort of radical concepts and then does dive into human psychology behind them and he he has this theme that like most people will choose unhappiness over uncertainty like we are more afraid of what we don't know and it's like okay well i hate my job but like I know that it gives me X, Y, Z, so I'm going to stay there. So um, one of his big takeaways is money isn't freedom. He makes a compelling point that lots of money and much ownership is not great and that sometimes it ends up being enslaving and oppressing. So um, uh, the new rich have, oh, oh he says that traditionally uh, wealthy people have riches, but the riches actually have them. Like there's that idea.
0: Can I tell you, this is
1: rich dad, poor dad. Interesting. 280. Oh, 280. interesting. Interesting. Let's see if it differs as we go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says money multipliers, this idea of WWW. Money is multiplied in life depending on the quantity of W you control in your life, such as when you do, when you do it, where you do it, and with whom you do it. So however you spend your free time what you're doing, where you're doing it, and with whom you do it. That's none of anybody's business. Thank you. Thank you. That is me and my diary. I say who. Who. I love that. Is that pretty woman? Yeah. (laughs) So the 10 commandments. So Tim outlines 10 rules that you need to consider and keep in mind if you want to join the new rich and if you're interested in living a less traditional life than the 9 to 5. All right. So number one retirement is worst case insurance working your whole life to enjoy the last years is a fool's errand um and we'll get into this more yeah because it's like it's like wait a second you work during your most mobile years and then you're expected to suddenly like travel the world or enjoy yourself when maybe your health isn't as good or like it, it's it's kind of backwards and I agree with that so uh commandment number two Interest and energy are cyclical. Alternating work and rest is necessary to work at your full potential. Number three, less is not laziness. Our culture glorifies sacrificing. uh, Our culture glorifying sacrifice over productivity is bogus. Yeah. Number four, the timing is never right. It's never the right moment for significant changes. And that's the exact reason why you should do them. Number five, ask forgiveness, not permission. Don't give anyone the opportunity to stifle your growth opportunities. Number six, emphasize strengths, skip weaknesses. Um, he also espoused the Strengths Finder, strengths yeah. Finder 2.0. Uh, things in excess become their opposite. As in the example of money, um, yeah, as in the example of money, like if you have too much, suddenly you're so worried about managing it, etc., uh, number eight, money alone is not the solution. Number nine, relative income is better than absolute income. Mm-hmm. The per year income is arbitrary and misleading. Time is equally important, and it becomes more important once you reach the minimum amount for your goals. So that reminds me a lot of your money or your life. yeah, sort of life force energy. Number ten, distress is bad. So <laughs> he yeah. really broke
0: the mold with that one.
1: Thank you. Um so conquering fear. Tim Ferriss uses some techniques from How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, which I have not read. Mm -mm. But here's his recipe to beat fear. So you define what's the worst case scenario. So if you're thinking like, okay, if I leave my job and I try to start this business that I've been thinking of starting, what is the worst case scenario? And I actually really like this. This feels like a practical way to tackle fear. Define what the worst case scenario is identify how you could fix or improve on that worst case scenario is there anything you could put into place to help mitigate those risks etc um and you can go down the rabbit hole of like okay say this worst case scenario came to life is it that tim basically realized he wanted to he wanted to i think it was leave a successful company he had start leave a company that he had started that wasn't doing very well and start a new one something like that And he realized that the worst case scenario was like the company would go flop and he would lose all of his savings. But he realized that is a renewable resource for him. And the worst case scenario wasn't actually as bad as he thought it would be. Like it would suck, but it's not, it's not Not world ending.
0: Yeah. Or he realized he's a white male who could get more seed money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and then step three in conquering fear is define the benefits. So he basically says you'll see that most of the times the worst case scenario is not that bad, or you can take steps to either prevent it or fix it, um, and the upside potential will still be there. And there are there are intangibles of you know going through a, a challenging situation. You learn what you're made of, and you learn you know life lessons that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. he says that conquering fear is defining fear. And I love that as opposed to going like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Like actually going down the rabbit hole going, what am I afraid
0: of is great. Or that conquering fear means you are no longer afraid of it because that's not realistic either.
1: Right. So he says, uh, another thing is it's crowded in the middle. 99% of people in the world are convinced they cannot achieve great things, so they aim for average. It's crowded, and the level of competition is the fiercest for mediocre spots. Mm-hmm. If you're insecure, don't worry. That's what everyone else is. Don't overestimate the competition and underestimate yourself. Okay. Um, so don't get stuck making more and more. Uh, Ferris says that people keep working when they use a financial goal instead of defining what they want and how they will remove themselves from their business. They will keep repeating themselves to themselves, I'll work till I- till I make X money. But X is a moving target and it keeps increasing. Okay. So this idea of the new rich is that you're doing exciting things you're not just owning enviable things right it's not it's like okay cool you can you can you have the risk, but this you have th- to be exciting yeah well well right it's <laughs> like well tra- traveling the world and and uh and having experiences um oh okay here's the thing here's the big philosophy with this book tim talks about the whole point of this is to get yourself to a place where you are making passive income that does not require you to be present all the time because that frees you up to go do the things you actually want to do. For Tim Ferriss, that included taking six months and becoming like, uh, I think it's Muay Thai or kickboxing. He became like a kickboxing national champion. He He went to South America and became like an amazing tango dancer. Like he's, he's talking about like going out and building the skill, like spending your time how you want to spend it. Why are you laughing so hard?
0: Well, it just feels, I'm sure he's a lovely person. I've actually listened to his podcast. I've listened to a couple episodes where I was in, very interested in the guest. Yeah. Um, but he also just seems like a guy who is so in love with himself. Oh, for sure. Um, oh, he's
1: got great confidence. May we all feel the way about ourselves that Tim Ferriss yeah, feels about himself. Like,
0: that he's like, I should have been a super secret spy, but uh, yeah. instead yeah. I'm going to learn yeah. how to do it.
1: Well, you know what's exciting? It's like, look, if I could guarantee that like all my bills were paid and I could live in comfort, I would absolutely go move somewhere where I could immerse myself in salsa and bachata for like six months and become an amazing person. Or maybe I move to Italy and like oh, learn to cook for a Why six don't months. you become a white male who gets seed money I like and gets that. self-made? I like that. I'm gonna do that that we'll cover, we'll cover how to become a white male in the next book. Thank you. Um so so this is the whole idea is how can you set yourself up so the other main philosophy that feels so different from other books is this idea of mini retirements. So as opposed to you work all the best years of your life, you retire at 50 if if that's even a possibility anymore, that seems young to retire now. And then maybe your knees aren't as good and you can't go parasailing and you can't go, you know, move to these exotic locations like you'd want to. This idea is that you work for periods of time, say a year, 18 months, two years, you save up money and you set yourself up in a way that you can then take six months off and take a mini retirement to do exactly what you want to do. And he he addresses the fact that, I mean, my first question was like, yeah, but what if you have a family? What if you have kids? And he he says, it's actually not as hard as you think to get them in schools in another country. It, it might actually increase their education living in another part of the world and give them a worldly experience they wouldn't get otherwise. And it can often bring families closer. Like he has a lot of answers to these questions and it did feel, it, it only feels practical if you're really able to set up certain structures and this is what this book is a roadmap for. If you're privileged. If you're privileged. Yeah. Cause like if you, if you have a, a, if you're caring for someone who is disabled, if you um, can't get your medicine somewhere, yeah. out, if you're but not like, even
0: that, Misty, like if you're a, a a person over the age of forty who took two years off and then tries to come back into your career,
1: yeah, good luck, yeah. yeah. Which is why he's saying, like, here is a way to set up set up a form of income, which he outlines in detail, so that you are the head honcho and you're not having to. But not everybody yeah. can do that. Somebody correct. has
0: to serve you dinner correct? when you yes. go through
1: drive through A hundred percent. If everyone in the world did this, the world would fall apart. I
0: mean, he is basically creating a roadmap for elitism.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And at the same time, if you happen to be a, a person with privilege and you're going, I'm fucking drained by the nine to five and I don't want to do this and I want a, a different way, this is also a roadmap, right? It's not an intersectional book at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. For the people that it speaks to, I think it could be really intriguing. It's it's kind of like how we were both so anti The Big Leap by by Gay Hendrix, yeah. And then my, my dear friend wrote to us and was like, that book really helped me at a time that I needed yeah. it.
0: I guess I'm going to challenge myself for the rest of this to figure out what are practical applications for not the one, not the 1%, but for the 99%. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I think, I think the biggest one for me right now is challenge this traditional idea that you can't have fun until a later date. I love that. If there's any ways that you can fit in, oh, well, when I'm retired, I'll finally take a Spanish language class or I'll finally X, Y, Z. Like, are there ways that you can... Do that that now. Yeah. Or save or enter contests to win something for free or, you know, like... Fi- find a, ask a relative to babysit your kids for a long weekend and the near future, you know, whatever that looks like. I do love this idea of let's not defer happiness. Like I remember, nothing's guaranteed. Yeah. I love that. So, um, Tim says a lot of things. He says, we live Mm -hmm. in a world where busy is more important than productive. Um, and Tim says that being busy is actually a form of laziness, lazy Mm. thinking and indiscriminate action and being Mm -hmm. overwhelmed is as unproductive as doing nothing and far more unpleasant and unhealthier. So uh, he says, escape the office. In an office environment, you're expected to work 40 hours minimum no matter if you can produce the same results in five. But a nine to five is not the kind of place where you want to be productive because the expectation will be to produce eight times more to fill the 40 plus hours. Nine to five is arbitrary, a collective social agreement, and a dinosaur of old legacies. You don't need that. Uh, He says, doing less is the path of the productive. So... um, so here's where he starts to get into the nitty-gritty of his philosophy. He says, Focus 80% on your of your time on the twenty percent that produces the most results.
0: Sure. I mean the 80-20 rule is also he's not breaking them all. No,
1: no, no. So it's like, it's like uh, I I forget if it's Pareto or Pareto, but it's the uh, Pareto law and Parkinson's law. Um, So shorten the work time to limit your tasks to the important. So like, if you're like, okay, I'm only checking email for 20 minutes, you're going to be really discerning. about whatever time
0: you have, the task will fill to fit that time. Exactly,
1: exactly. So be very discriminate. So it's all about efficiency and prioritizing. So outsource and delegate. The goal is to free your time to focus on better and bigger things. So even when you can do it for yourself more cheaply, it can still make sense to outsource. So delegation dangers, automation to ineffit to inefficient operations magnifies the inefficiency. Okay. And automation applied to efficient operations will magnify the efficiency. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, eliminate before you delegate. Never delegate something that that can be eliminated. Yes, never, yes, yes. Yeah, never delegate something that can be automated. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is when the book gets into the nitty-gritty about manufacturing a product and bringing it to market, which is his his sort of like sa- salve, salve, his salve, mm-hmm. salve? Mm-hmm. Salve. salve. thank you. Salve. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, his salve to this entire philosophy is like, you've got to find, you've got to set up infrastructure so that you are the owner and seller of a product, but it's all automated online and it's all delegated out. You empower your employees, et cetera, et cetera, to make decisions for you. And this is how you only work four hours a week. So this part of the book explains things like know the market, pick a niche, be first, price high. If you want to hear those, Um, uh, price high. If you want to hear those details, buy the book. For our purposes on the podcast, we're going to skip that today. Um, But it really is a long section about how to actually bring a product to market, which was very interesting, actually. Um, I never really heard that. So he says, getting fired is great. Tim Ferriss quit three jobs and got fired from all the rest. (laughs) Uh, And he says that it is a God sent benefit.
0: I mean, he better say that because right now he sounds like a major asshole to work with. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I know. He says, most people won't quit, but someone else makes the decision for you so you don't have to sit in the wrong job for the rest of your life. Um, He says, most people aren't lucky enough to get fired and they die a slow spiritual death over 30 to 40 years of tolerating the mediocre. So he really is, he has a really strong point of view. Um... And honestly, uh, he has a really strong point of view. And a lot of the tactics feel, they can feel sleazy at times. Like he talks about, he has this whole section on virtual assistants. Hire a virtual assistant. Delegate, like think about how much time you spend on tasks like fighting an insurance claim from the doctor or making reservations at this thing or doing research on a trip or booking travel tickets. Like he, um, says that virtual assistants in like China and India are the cheapest. They're between four and $15 an hour. They work overnight. So if you're really good about what you delegate to them, um, he also says like, this is where it gets a little sleazy nobody at work is going to know if you like delegated putting that presentation together to a virtual assistant with their master's degree in India. Like your boss will never know. So you can do that if you want to. I know, I know Lisa's cringing. Um, so there are things that feel, um, I don't know, just a little slimy to me, but a little inauthentic Inauthentic, yeah. And he gets into the nitty gritty of like even which firms to use for virtual assistance. Like it really is. He, I think, wrote this to be an actual resource manual, not just like a philosophy of how this goes. Um, you know what it feels so, like? It
0: feels like, and I hear his voice from his podcast. It's like, you know what? Yeah. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. Yeah. You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And it's like, yeah. well, listen, I'm going to be honest. If a boss, we, we it is scientifically proven that we judge men on their potential and women on their performance. Yeah, I know. A young mm-hmm. white male coming up who's discovered to have outsourced his presentation yeah. Yeah. will be judged differently than a young uh, black female who was, yeah. who was discovered to have outsourced 100%. her presentation.
1: 100%. Absolutely.
0: And again, I know it's not, It's but I do think that for the 99%, If you have a short amount of time, hiring somebody to schedule your cable person, Mm -hmm. you know, like fight Mm -hmm. a claim, makes a lot of sense. It takes that
1: off of your plate. Yes, absolutely. So um, he has uh, like further tips on effectiveness, et cetera. He says, don't finish what you start if it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. Don't read unless you need it immediately. I mean… Okay, learn to be difficult and assertive. So, um uh, he said something in the book about how, like the a difficult person is not called upon as many times as like a very easy person. i'm I'm fucking this up for sure. No,
0: that makes sense. but basically,
1: like he's saying like you can actually train your boss and your bosses to, um, not go to you unless they really need something. Again, but it, again, it doesn't work for women
0: <laughs> or for people of color.
1: Yeah. Because they might be labeled as angry, right? Not passionate. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah.
0: Difficult yep. to work with means yep. you don't get as high of a raise.
1: Yep. He says, don't worry to offend someone when requesting effective communication, hard feelings pass, foolish behavior sticks. Check emails only once a day. I'll explain this Mm -hmm. and batch things together and address them all together. So, one a lot of people do this now. They do. Yes. And so the way he, he has a whole chapter on like how to eliminate meetings because so many meetings are called just to discuss a problem. Yeah. So Tim tries to never have a meeting. So he'll say like, okay, well, what's the agenda for the meeting? We'll outline what the problem is and the ways to address it and the ways you've already implemented those solutions. Let me know how it goes. And then people quickly realize oh, I guess we don't need a meeting. So it includes empowering the people around you to make decisions so that you don't have to micromanage. But as far as email goes, he has, he put up this like email autoresponder that's like, hi, I only check my email twice a day. So thanks for your patience. If it takes a while to get back, if it's an emergency, here's my cell phone number and you can reach me here. But it it also has like a frequently answered question like, One, if this is something that can, if you have a question for me that can be answered by someone else, please do that. Like two, um, you know, yeah, it's like a, it's like on Google. It's so hard to get Google and Amazon. It's like hard to get a person on the phone because they have such comprehensive frequently asked question pages. So that is how he sets the tone and trains people. You're not going to hear from me. Very often, if you really want to get a hold of me, you can call me. Here's my cell phone number right here, but it better be a problem worth calling me. Cause it makes people think twice. Oh, do I need to actually talk to him on the phone because this problem is big enough? Yeah, so I he, mean there's good and bad, right? You know? Yes. Yeah, so he's got all sorts of tips about how to um become more efficient. And how you can set up these automation processes so that you only have to check in and do payroll or bank account stuff or whatever that looks like for a maximum of four hours a week.
0: Here's what I will say for the 99%. Yes. It is always a good idea to batch and to do things so that you have solitary focus and get yes. the most use out of your time so yes. you aren't distracted. Uh uh, in an age where we know that people are suffering greatly from inappropriate behavior at work. Yeah, maybe being unavailable to people for sensitive subjects and requiring that it be a quote unquote emergency for them to reach out to you is not a good idea. Yeah. And this, this shows its age. This is a 10-year ago, right? Like, yeah. 100%. Um uh, personally, I wouldn't want to be the CEO of a company where People rarely saw me. Um, that's mm-hmm. me, and yes. also uh, you would you are treated differently as a person of color, as a female or non-binary uh, person. If you yes. are hard to deal with, and yes. you know, so this is just definitely not intersectional, and it's making me mad. <laughs> it's not.
1: It's it's not. You are correct, and a lot of the. You know, a lot of it is coming from that, like, a lot of it does just feel like he's tooting his own horn.
0: Oh, I think he's still on blowing himself.
1: He's blowing, he's blowing his big old horn. Uh, After he learned
0: Muay Thai and Tango, he went to India and learned how to full-on blow himself.
1: Right? Oh man! Look, those yoga poses make you real flexible. I say yes. But like you know, there are some quotes in the book that are really self-aggrandizing. Like, I could be racing motorcycles in Europe, scuba diving on a private island in Panama, resting under a palm tree between kick—oh, it was kickboxing, kickboxing sessions in Thailand, or dancing Tango in Buenos Aires. Is he married? You know, so- I'm
0: looking this up.
1: Um, I don't know. Um, but so it is 10 years old. So a lot of the places where he's like, Hey, rent is cheap here. That no longer applies. It's clearly a changing landscape, et cetera. So that is probably the briefest overview I could possibly do about the four hour work week, escape the nine to five, live anywhere and join the new rich.
0: Listen you did the 40 hour you did the 40 minute uh summary of the yeah. 13 hour book and I say thank you for that.
1: I did and th- those really are the big ideas if any of this is intriguing to you absolutely buy this book take it with a grain of salt there's there's a lot of criticism about some of the stuff as you could um expect there's a whole section where he he walks you through how to build credibility when you don't really have it and expertise faking it. Wow. Right? Well, there's this idea that like, there's this idea that like, you can go to your alma mater and say, I really want to give like a free seminar to these people, et cetera. And even if you're only like speaking to three people, you can then, the next person you reach out to, you go, well, I just lectured at the University of Central Florida on this topic. And then they do it. And it's sort of like, Becomes this feedback loop about how to create this sort of fake expertise. And he doesn't so what, Are say, we listening to this person? He doesn't say, Well, because his life experience is a successful entrepreneur.
0: So he but did he become an ex- a successful entrepreneur because he generated fake credibility?
1: I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, And he doesn't blatantly say, like, create fake credibility, but he's like, Here's a way to build your expertise, you know? Um, it's there's also so many details, uh, and there's the tips he gives are sort of like mass tourism travel tips.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's I think it's less applicable today, ten years later for sure. Um, and he also uh, he has a lot of uh, tips on like how to negotiate and communicate, but like some of it is just like. Look, be impolite. Do what you got to do to be efficient. It's like that doesn't work for everybody.
0: Misty, what a great job you did, yeah, and a great yeah. job fielding my persistent and constant irritation. Um, I'm going to start with
1: advice. Yeah,
0: our our question: Should yeah. this book have been written in the
1: time that it was written? Uh, should is a tough thing for me in this situation. I don't remember all of the context of December 2009. Uh, But what I do, my main thing that I love about this book is this idea of challenging this traditional structure of retirement. Yes. So I do think that needs to be challenged. I do think especially with people living longer and needing to work longer and longer. Like there are people in their 70s still working. People are not able to save for retirement because insurance premiums are so high and the cost of living is so high. So this idea that you can still take time off to enjoy your life in little, even if it's like a one month spurt here and there. What if I cook your noodle by saying that part of the reason we have to
0: work longer is because of the 1% not sharing the wealth and he's creating a roadmap to becoming the 1%.
1: My noodle is cooked past okay, great. al dente. You're what wonderful.
0: I'd say. I love that. Who is this book perfect for, and who is it terrible for?
1: Okay, great question. I actually wrote my answers to this in advance. I love it. Okay. This book is perfect for middle-class people with no kids who have disposable income to burn. The startup costs of the entrepreneur portion he describes sound high for someone with small margins, and you can't hire a virtual assistant if you can't afford one, no matter how inexpensive they might be. He also says it's totally possible to do mini-retirements with kids and that those may be some of the most beneficial times for kids, but I think this could fall apart if looked at closer with a microscope. Yeah. Even like
0: the bucketless family, which everybody touts is like, they sold everything and f- traveled around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After he sold his, uh, startup company and sold an app for like $50 million. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. So like let's temper it. Who's this book terrible for? Obviously me.
1: Yeah. So, so, um, sort of like I just said, anybody who truly cannot afford this, who yes. does not have disposable income, who, because just to just to test a a product, it's like you got to have at least five hundred bucks, and just to test a product, let alone yeah. set something up or advertise. And he does get into the nitty gritty of all of that, but you really need some capital to get started, and it's it's not a ton in the grand scheme of things. It might be two or three thousand dollars, but that's a lot of money for some yeah. people to put together. Um, what did you? We've kind of talked about what he got right and what he got wrong. Um, yeah so, well, as we I, went. I, I, I want to expand on that and say I love the way he approached the fear of leaving a job and trying to start something new or trying something you've always wanted to try. That really spoke to me. Okay. Um, he approaches the that philosophy shift in a really practical way um, by, like I said, writing down the worst case scenario, really listing out the repercussions. Are they permanent? Are they reversible? And then weighing those against the way you'd feel if you stayed in your current position. Love it. Like the opportunity cost of that. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um yeah. And I I also I also love his definition of what makes somebody rich. Like it's mm-hmm. time and it's mobility. It's not the number of dollars in the bank. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um
0: uh does, is there anything that you tried from the book?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I have definitely taken. Not many retirements per se. Like I really want to go live in another country for like a month. And I think I said this to you baby. for a couple of years. Amsterdam, baby. I, lo- I just love it. I love it. I want to I'm be also in Paris to and we can visit each other like a train right away. It's like three hours by train. The first wow. time I went to Amsterdam I was from Paris. Um, but I have definitely, you know, there was one time where I took a year and a half off of work. And I was really privileged to do that. I saved like crazy before I did it. And I was able to do that and really take all the classes, the writing, voice, acting, you know, all those classes that I wanted to take, I was able to do that. So nice. yeah, I actually have put that into practice. But I actually think it was during that time that I read this book. So it wasn't because of <laughs> because of this book. Um, I love it. Yeah. And so- Do I have any homework? You know, it's interesting. Normally, I would say, like, think about something you really want to do and write down the worst-case scenario of that, the fear of that. But, Lisa, you're you're already going full force at your dreams. I mean, you're Thank already. You. you are. It's like you're a very specific case where, like, you quit your corporate job. You're acting full-time. And I you're, was very
0: privileged to be able to do so,
1: I acknowledge. Well, let's go ahead and check in on your homework then now. What... What made you, like, finally make that decision?
0: Um, I was terrified of uh, of not. I was terrified of not. And it just felt it felt like if I didn't, I would wake up at, you know, 50, 60 and still be there.
1: Right. So you kind of did exactly. You weighed what it would feel like to still be doing that. Yeah, same thing for
0: moving out to L.A., like. I just knew that right. if I didn't make some change, I, I would never change.
1: And how long did it take until you were realizing your dreams in full? How many years? Oh, I'm
0: still not. I mean, I feel like, but I'm I'm living the life that I am wanting to. I'm on that path. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I think the minute you make that decision, you're kind of on the way. Do you know what I mean? Yes. That's yes. That's how I felt about it, I think.
1: Yeah. Um. Great. Yeah. Well, so that's, you guys, that right is Jeff, a, that's a quick and dirty, quick and dirty, thank you, review. It, it truly is a very in-depth book. And uh, so many of the reviews, because I was curious what other people think of this book, Yeah. are this book has a lot of problems, and it's still in my top books to read. like because sure,
0: I think the, this reframing is, is so huge. pivotal. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So, um What I want to say is may your free time and mobility be abundant and may the hours that you work at work not be abundant. Abundant. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.